Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome. I'm Guy, and that's Larry Kruger. And uh, this live stream is a collaboration. If you're watching me where you normally see me, then you're in the right place. If you're watching Larry where you normally see Larry, then you're in the right place. And uh, we got a lot to get to because the NFL Combine players get on the field on Thursday. And uh, Larry's done more mock drafts than anybody that I've seen on the Internet. And so we'll (laughs) go through some of that. Uh, Before we do, Larry, uh, sponsors to shout out, as you normally do when you host uh, this conversation on your channel. Yeah, Pig in a Pickle, the title sponsor of the Krug Show. Thanks to them. Um, thanks to uh, Marin Auto Glass, Underdog Fantasy, Sharp Corner Sports Cards and Collectibles, and ValleyHillRoofing.net. So you've done all the mock drafts. And I think the overarching question I want to ask you, because this is the conversation I've had probably the most with people, is what percentage chance, Larry, are you putting that the 49ers are drafting an offensive lineman with the 31st pick in the draft or with the 27th pick or the 19th pick or like at this point, how much attention should we be giving to non-offensive linemen in the first round? I think a lot Uh, just because kind of the way the board, you know, comes off the, you know, the way it looks like right now, it looks like there's a very good chance that, you know, that, that, that you may be looking at like the seventh or the eighth best offensive tackle, uh, by the time they pick and they, and, and to me that the value may not be there. Um, and it's, it's all, it all kind of is dependent on who they like and, um, you know, who's, who, who they like as far as, uh, you know, how the board shakes out. So, you know, like the blue chip guys, Joe Alt from Notre Dame, he'll be gone Fashanu from Penn state. He'll be gone Fuaga and, uh, and um, J.C. Latham from Alabama, uh, those guys will be gone. And maybe even Fatanu from Washington, I think he'll be gone. Maybe even Graham Barton. So they're going to be looking at, you know, guy, like Tyler Guyton and some of these other guys. And I kind of like um, some of the guys further down the board even more when you factor in some of the D linemen that they may be staring at at the end of round one. You know, as somebody who's been pro-offensive lineman in this first round, and I've been talking about it for about a week and a half, uh, 
it is if I, and I think the Niners are in a good spot in a sense just to get general talent picking at 31 because I did the math yesterday. I think 16 of the top 32 picks are going to be either quarterback, receiver, or tackle. Now, Albert Breer wrote he thinks there could be seven tackles that go in the top 20. And if that's the case, it pushes a lot of other talent down to the 49ers. Not ideal if you want to tackle, right? And that's why you see a lot of these guys who are college, maybe tackles, but project to be inside interior offensive linemen um, uh, being mocked to the 49ers, which is fine, Larry. I'd be fine with them taking a guard. Like they got to protect the middle against Brock too. Chris Jones plays in the middle. I don't know what team he's going to be on, but Legereus Sneed just got tagged today, and the report is now they're turning their attention to signing Chris Jones. The Niners play six of PFF's top 10-rated uh, interior pass rushers next year on their schedule. Uh, and um, so I'm fine. Like, I'm the positional value of the interior line I'm fine with, but the case definitely can be made. I think this is part of what you're making, and a lot of people have been responding, reacting to some of the videos I've made in the last week and a half with this, which is you can scheme around your offensive line. The Niners just did it. Uh, they can do it again. The defensive line talent is the one that's harder to come by, and that's where they should use this pick. So, you know, when you think about 16 of the 32, if that's going to be the number, then maybe it does leave defensive line talent. But I think, like, Jonah Ellis is a guy I know. I watched one yes. of your mock drafts video you like. Um you know, he's not a first round guy. Like you can get him later. How much later can you get him at the end of the third round? We'll see. Uh, he's a guy I really like also out of Utah. Um, he's kind of, you know, to me, he's like uh, Utah's had this with the Bartons. You know, Cody Barton, the guy that injured Trey Lance is one of three NFL Bartons. Um, right. The Ellis's are, I think there's, well, there's three if you count one of the brothers and the dad, Luther Ellis. Luther Christian. Yeah, Christian Christian was the Falcon and the Saint, right? He had a couple other brothers that played college football. Eagles so, got cut him, right? And the Eagles cut him okay. uh, after after the Niners burned him in with the uh, the Debo tunnel screen in that game earlier this year. He got cut the next day. I think they, uh, you know, the feeling is this was the other thing. I think Breer said that, or Jim Nagy said this that the dr the draft is going to kind of fall really fall off the map in the fourth round and beyond. It's not a deep draft. There's not many underclassmen in this draft. But in the first three rounds, you could actually get some pretty good players. You know, but here's what I would say about John Lynch and defensive linemen. They don't, especially, are you talking any defensive linemen or interior defensive linemen? You're talking, I mean, Jonah Ellison. Well, they have rusher, six but in free the first agents. Round, I mean, they have six free agents, and I think they're and and their D line to me was the most disappointing part of their team last year. When you looked at who they had and what they got out of those guys, so I I think they're, you know, I, I think there's a very good chance the 49ers look at their um, team this year and say, you know what, uh, we don't need Randy Gregory, we don't need Chase Young, we don't need Kevin Givens, we don't need Sebastian Joseph Day. You know, Beal, question mark, Drake Jackson, question mark, Kalia Davis, very much a question mark. Is Kinlaw coming back? Is Cleveland Farrell coming back? I, those would be the two guys I would probably try to bring back. N neither is awesome or coming off an incredible year. So uh, I think they're wide open. Uh, I think this is the year where they re kind of restructure their D-line with a bunch of new faces and um, and also cheaply. 
Um, and if you, I think they could go heavy D line in this draft. Who do you, who do you like? I like a lot of guys. I, I like Darius Robinson, the edge rusher from Missouri. Who's, you know, was a practice player of the week in mobile. He's, he's a defensive end, but he's 290 pounds. Um, and he looks like the kind of guy that you could probably have lose eight or 10 pounds and, and he could be a, a, a you know, a four, three defensive end at 280. Uh, but with speed, he reminds me a lot of kind of a bigger, maybe a slightly bigger version of Alden Smith, not quite the athlete, but, um, and then I love a lot of those, those, uh, interior guys. Um, you know, if you're, I like Rook Aurora, Aurora, but, uh, Chris Jenkins from Michigan, Michael Hall Jr. from Ohio state, I think had a 27% pass rush win rate, which was like second in the nation this year. So, you know, a couple of those guys definitely come to mind. And those guys, Jenkins is 285, Hall's 280. They're in that, you know, they're, they're great movement guys, but they could play, you know, they could play inside, they could play outside, depending on the, on the line. And then there's, you know, there's the big boys inside too, like McKinley Jackson, uh, who they met with in Indy. I love McKinley Jackson. I'm an A&M fan. Uh, he's, he's monster. He's, he's, uh, you know, he was he was a he was a star in high school. They were talking about the NFL when this kid was in high school in Mississippi. A and M recruited him. He came in. He was awesome. He was their leader. He was their he was their sack guy inside. So I like him quite a bit. And then there's Tavondre Sweat from Texas uh, and Murphy from Texas. The two guys from Texas. Sweat's like 350 pounds and immovable. And you know they haven't replaced DJ Jones. So. He could be that one technique guy, so it's there's options on the D line, but I to me a lot of them are going to be sitting on the board. The sweet spot is right where the Niners pick, so I, I think they you might be able to get any number of those guys right there. I thought it was interesting to hear John Lynch talk yesterday about somebody asked him about Alabama and Nick Saban. Yeah, did you catch that? Very odd. And yeah, it, it it was odd, and I and I I don't know. But I thought it was interesting because, you know, when you watch like Howie Roseman and the Eagles draft, you look at their draft and it's just like seven Georgia guys, or at least that's how it feels sometimes, right? Yeah. And the Niners haven't necessarily drafted that way, although, you know, the Niners and Eagles, I think, kind of like the same type of guy, the same personality type of guy. Um, and uh, and I thought it was interesting that he talked about Saban and, and just kind of the competitiveness the knowledge for the game that you get if you were to draft a guy to Alabama, you also get premium prospects, right? Like Michigan has whatever it is, 18 guys at the combine, premium prospects, Texas premium prospects. I only think, you know, you're only going to get more premium prospects from these bigger schools because guys are going to be transferring for the NIL money after their freshman or sophomore years. If they weren't a premium prospect to start, eventually they end up as one. Um, because they go to, you know, a football powerhouse. It just made me wonder listening to him, you know, if that's going to be the Jair Brown came from a tough nose program last year and seemed to match it. You know, when you watched him play at Penn state, like he was pretty representative. Jonah Ellis, Utah's not Michigan, but that, that program has a identity, you know, and it, it just hearing that answer. Now he just answered a question he got asked. But it made me think about what the Niners' identity is. The the 49ers as an organization 
you would say are at the top of the list right now in the NFL of organizational identities. And, you know, some of these big time programs have very clear identities. And it just made me wonder how much they put stock in that sort of thing when they're evaluating these guys. The only thing I'll say is it's very risky because um, to take all these Bama or Georgia guys, because just because you're getting the best athlete doesn't mean you're getting the best player. Um, like Robert Beal Jr. at 6'4", 255, probably is one of the best athletes um, at defensive end that in last year's draft. He ran sub 4'5", but he was hurt all through camp, you know, didn't make an impact till later in the year. Then when he did, you know, it, it, it wasn't significant. Um, like one of the most blue chip players in this draft that a lot of people will be like, oh, you got to. The Niners got to take a Marius Mims, the big Georgia tackle. He's yeah. he's six seven. He's three thirty. He kind of looks like Broderick Jones, who the Steelers took in the first round last year. But he's played eight games. He's had eight starts. So you know, I I think since the Niners have had you know was it wasn't that long ago they had that year where they had like twenty two guys on IR. You got to figure out who plays the games. You know, not just. Not just who's got the talent, the high-end talent, but who actually plays. Um, and and make sure, I, I, to me, if you want to find out, you know, if you want to avoid injuries and guys who miss a lot of games, then then draft guys who played a lot in college, guys who didn't miss starts. Value that. Um, that's the way I would look at it. I'll tell you one thing, too. If, if you're the 49ers, if you're really looking to rebuild the right side of your offensive line, two guys that I would definitely take a look at in this draft are the South Dakota State tandem, where you have Garrett Greenfield played right tackle at South Dakota State, and then you had Mason McCormick play right guard at South Dakota State. These guys, you know, already get along great and, um, you know, have a great, great you're chemistry. You're saying both of them? I like both of them. I, I in yeah. fact, the more I look at it, the more I did the research on these guys are really close too. So it's like if you want a productive, you know, right side of your offensive line in a year or two, you know, Greenfield and McCormick might be, you know, it sounds like a law firm, um, but you know, Greenfield and McCormick might be your tandem, and you might be able to get both of them, you know, after the third round. So you know, I, I might be interested in that. If I could get both those guys, McCormick's so it, a brawler and Greenfield is pretty close to it. And that's a blue collar. I mean, that's a, that's a, that's a program with an identity too. Right. Historically. Um, they, they just had Tucker Kraft go to the uh, Packers last right. year. That's right. So you, you think it sounds like you think that I understand put at 31. Uh, not necessarily, but I, I, I think the value is in more bites of the apple. So, um, I think they're, if they, if, you know, I think they're going to play it where they're going to, if you ask me, how will they play their hand of cards? They will hold on draft day, right to their pick to see if the tackle that they want falls to them. And then if the tackle that, that they don't want, you know, if the tackle that they, they want doesn't fall to them, I could see them trading back, uh, four or five or 10 picks and getting more draft capital. Um, you know, people say, well, how many rookies do they need? It's not about that. It's about how many bites of the apple and how many rookies can you, can you, you know, they, 
they, you know, if you can draft uh, a dozen rookies, you know what? You can keep your roster really cheap. You can keep your roster really flexible. So, and I kind of agree with that assessment that there's going to be really good players um, in the third and fourth round. So if you can move down in round one and get a couple extra picks in the fourth round, that might be like, you know, the fourth round pick might be the same guy that you get in the second round. Uh, you know, right now, the recent history of their top three round picks, it's not been very productive, right? I mean, the last three no. years, it's Brown, it's Moody, uh, and Aaron Banks. And and that's that's it. And, you know, now maybe Danny Gray, maybe I didn't think I said this the other day. Uh, and I don't know if you agree with this. You and I haven't talked about this. So I want you can uh, cross check me on this, Larry. That's what this is called. Cross checking. Cam Latu. I don't think they were going to cut him, but he was looking pretty cuttable before he got hurt in yeah. camp this year. What did you think? I mean, are they, are you holding your breath? Couldn't catch a cold. I mean, the yeah. guy who couldn't catch any balls ricocheted off him. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, I wasn't nerves. Might've been, you know, Jerry dropped a bunch of balls. You know, I'm not saying this guy's Jerry, but um, Jerry Rice, for those Jerry of you uh, listening at home. <laughs> yeah. Jerry Rice dropped tons of passes as a rookie. Um, and then obviously it was great after that, but um, Latu is big and athletic and he moves well, but he just couldn't catch at all. So was that just the game, the speed, the, you know, he gets a bot, he gets a, a pass. He, he, you know, they redshirted him, but I would not go to camp saying, Oh, yep. Latu's my number two tight end. In fact, to me, um, I've already kind of centered on a sleeper tight end that I just oh, love okay. in this draft. And his name is Mason Pline. And he's a basketball player from Furman who played at Ferris State and now is at Furman. And he's probably a day three guy. Um, you know, maybe late day three guy, but he's six seven, six eight, two fifty. He's a mechanical engineering major, so he's super smart. And then if you watch his basketball film, at least at Ferris State, he looked like Aaron Gordon. And we're talking about 6'7", 250. So he's he's crazy athletic, 10 and a half inch hands, you know, mechanical engineering major. I mean, they met with him, I guess, at the uh, either the Shrine or the Hula Bowl. Um, I love Mason Pline from Furman, and, and I think he'll probably be on the board you know, fifth round, sixth round, maybe even the seventh round. Not at the combine, though, right? Uh, I don't think he's. At the, I don't think he got the combine invite. I mean, yeah. he's listed. He's listed combine in snub. the draft. So yeah, he's going to be hungry. I'm, I'm, li- I'm there. They list him at prospect number four hundred and eighty-five. So he's projected today to not be drafted. He will be drafted, I think. But um, but you're talking about a day three guy, and I, yeah. a, a day three guy that could be awesome. I think it's interesting, and I don't. You didn't address this, so you can say. But um, you know, I think we evaluate every tight end prospect for the 49ers with like, well, can he be Kittle? Can he block also? And they've done a lot of the guys who are block first. But remember that moment when they had Jordan Reed, and what a combination it was before he got hurt. Is this? Is he in that? When you say basketball player, you know, you think Jimmy Graham. Is he in? Is he in that mold? It would it be a departure from their block, you know, kind of their block first guys. It feels like that they've had. Well, this guy's pretty nasty. So he, you know, anybody who's six eight, you wonder about the leverage play and right. 
you know, how long, how can he hold his blocks, the line of scrimmage. But I kind of think this is a, this is a, a unique ta- uh, tight end group. I mean, you got Brock Bowers, who's a Napa kid who went to Georgia, should have went to Cal. He's probably going top. <laughs> should according right? to who? Yeah, you, well, me, and Justin Wilcox? He should have went to Cal or Stanford in past years. Yeah, 20 years he, ago, he would have went to He Cal. regrets it. Uh, yeah. well, I, I, I love, love sure my guys at Cal, but. <laughs> I'm sure he doesn't regret it, but Brock Bowers is a blue chipper. And then the Jatavion Sanders kid yeah. is, is a high From second Texas. round pick. He's he's a tremendous athlete. And then it's kind of beauty in the eye of the beholder. I kind of like Ben Sanat from K-State, um, probably in round three. A lot of people like Dallin Holker from Colorado State. I don't know if you did any of their games this year. I didn't. But I know I didn't, but he's He's really bit. interesting. Theo Johnson from Penn State is a big you know, six six, six seven player. AJ Barner from Texas. Jack Westover, you know him from Washington. Yep. Um, Isaac Rex. I did a little video on Isaac Westover's Rex. Westover's a little different than some of these bigger guys you're talking about. Yeah, he's 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 not as big, but he's got sticky hands. Isaac Rex had twelve touchdowns as a freshman and now and at BYU and then went on his Mormon mission and mm-hmm. you know speaks uh you know I think he speaks Samoan and and um, he's older, but he's like 6'6", 255. He's a great receiver. His dad was a really good receiving tight end. So, I mean, I kind of like the Arizona kid, Tanner McLaughlin, um, who's, you know, 6'5", 250. Yeah, he's big. Yeah. Good player, so, productive. I, I uh, Yeah, really you know, good, West- really good player. Butcherbox.com slash ham helps you make good decisions. Last night, I was thinking about ordering out, and then I reached into the freezer, grabbed some ground beef, and all of a sudden, it was homemade taco night. With ButcherBox, you don't have to worry about what's for dinner. ButcherBox is offering all of you your choice of weeknight meal essentials. You get peace of mind with ButcherBox because it's high-quality meat and seafood you can trust. You get the ultimate convenience because it's delivered right to your door with free shipping, as always, and you get the ultimate customization. Your customization might be, I don't know what to do. Send me the good stuff. And they send you the good stuff, curated. Right now, go to butcherbox.com ham and use the code ham. And you'll get either three pounds of chicken thighs, two pounds of ground beef, or one pound of premium steak tips for free in every order for a year. Plus $20 off your first order. Sign up at butcherbox.com ham and use the code ham to choose your free offer and get $20 off. Get on the Prize Picks app, just like me, and use the code HAM50 for a first deposit match of up to $100. Football season's over, but hoop season is getting hot. Tournament season or the fight for playoff home court, there's no shortage of high-stakes basketball moments this time of year. So get in on the excitement with Prize Picks, America's number one fantasy sports app. And you can get it on baseball, too. I've got some season-long more or less picks on multiple stat projections on home runs. Uh, not off, not feeling great about Shohei less than 38 and a half right now, but I put that one in the app just because I wanted something to root against with the Dodgers. Prize Picks offers injury insurance so that your entries stay live even if one of your players get injured. So hoops, somebody leaves in the first half, no problem. Injury insurance. And on Prize Picks, you can win up to 100x your money with as little as four correct picks i love it it's download the app today use code ham 50 for the first deposit match of up to a hundred dollars can i tell you about my friends very very good friends 
and mainly because I've been using this app for a long time. Game time. They are the best ticket app I've ever used. You shouldn't have to worry when you buy tickets to your next big event. You want to go to a concert? You want to go watch Steph Curry and Clay Thompson and Draymond make a little playoff run? Well, that's where you use Game Time. You just download the app on your smartphone, and you can search any event. Concerts, comedy shows, games, pro and college. Search by price point or search by where you want to sit at the venue. It gives you sightline on the app. And uh, it's really easy. Buying tickets in seconds with like two taps. I cannot recommend it enough. And here's what we're doing for you. When you use the promo code HAM, H-A-M, you save $20 off at checkout. That's promo code HAM at checkout and save $20 to any event. Download the GameTime app now. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the finance world. The nerds will help you get smarter about balancing your portfolio and avoiding scams so your money is just as safe as betting against the Cowboys in the playoffs. Planning your tax bill so you don't dread April every year. And saving on travel. Vacations coming. You spend less on airfare, it means you're not choosing between surf or turf. It's surf and turf for dinner and maybe even an extra night stay. So listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Tacovas, oh yeah. I was just looking at some pictures of a concert Luke Bryan, my wife and I went to, I don't know, 10 years ago. She had some old cowboy boots on. This is like a couple weeks ago, and I said, you, you need some new boots because we're going to see Luke Combs. So she went to Tacovas. Dot com And they're just perfect. She loves them. You can do the same. You go to Tecovas.com. These boots are Austin-designed, Texas-tested, handmade down in the boot capital of the world, Leon, Mexico. If you've ever wondered, can I pull off cowboy boots? Then you should pull on a pair of Tecovas, and you'll see they'll become your new favorite footwear. Cowboys knew what they were doing when they invented Western wear. And it's all kinds of Western staples. Trucker jackets, the perfect jeans to go with your boots. Performance, pearl snaps, cowboy hats, bandanas, you name it. They'll get you outfitted. If you can't make it to a store, Tecovas delivers the most premium quality, most comfortable Western goods right to your door. Visit Tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com and point your toes west. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. West, you know, you remember last year the Niners signed uh, Jack Coletto from Oregon yeah. State. And people are like, oh, is this, the, is this the use check replacement? And I think the answer to that was was definitely no. To me, Westover's a little bigger. Westover would be the closest thing to that. I think in the fu- potentially in the future, more so than even just like a a true tight end. I think he might be. I don't know if he's. I, you know, it may be hard to find a guy as athletic as use check, but. To me, when I watch him play, he looks a little more like that than, you know, like your next George Kittle or some of these other bigger guys that we're talking about. What do you think? Yeah. Um, it's, you know, it's funny. Larry doesn't it's like, like it. 
Well, no, no. I, I just, I like the idea of replacing Hughes check this year, but you're going with the tight end, the bigger bodied guy. I look at it more like this is another opportunity to put speed on the field. And the, the two guys that I would love to see replace Hughes check would be Isaac Garendo from Louisville. Who's a running back? He played a lot of one back. He's six feet, about two hundred and twenty pounds. He runs four three seven. So I mean, he, he, that would give them a totally different look. The other guy that I really like as a juice replacement um, is Co- Cody Schrader from Missouri, who's five nine two twenty, something like that. And he's just—I don't know if you saw Schrader at Missouri, but he was just awesome, no. man. I mean, he's just. He's kind of like a Hughes check. I mean, he's just a he's more of a running back than a fullback. So these guys would have to be willing to kind of switch to fullback. Um, but I, I I don't know. That's the other guy that I kind of think of as a fullback is the Notre Dame running back, Audric Estime, um, who's six feet, about two hundred and thirty pounds. But see, I'm looking at that fullback spot instead of like a power spot more of another place to get speed and big playability on the field. Because it seems like they don't really use the fullback as the lead blocker that often. It's more often kind of like, let's throw him the ball in space. Let's He's our gadget guy. And to me, like Cody Schrader or, or Isaac Garendo would give them an element that even Juice does not really provide. Well, two things. One, I don't think there were, I don't think, I think he's going to be on the team next year, Use check. Two, I don't think you could just straight up one for one replace him with a guy who's new to the team, especially a rookie. I think if anything, you're bringing somebody in that has to then figure it out for a year. And then maybe I just think you're asking too much. He does too much. And three, I would say. I, I disagree a little. I think he is. I think he ends up in the fire a lot when it comes to blocking. Um. Maybe it's not always just straight hitting the B gap as a as being the first guy there. Sometimes it's him and Kittle. But I think I watch I see a lot of use check running running in uh r- running against the grain. Like everyone's going one way. Use check is flying through little gaps, trying to block on the backside. I think it's a pretty complicated blocking position that you cannot replace easily. I think it's gonna be very hard. And and the beauty, like this is where I get hung up a little bit, Larry, when we start talking about pass catching tight ends or eventual juice replacements or whatever, you, you know, even receivers. There's just if Ayuk is coming back, there are just not that many targets on the field for this team. And that's where I think your draft pick early is much better spent on one of the either offensive or defensive line. Right. Like you think about what a big part of this team Juwan Jennings is. I think he had like 16 catches in the regular season. You know, Danny Gray. On one hand, I'd say Danny has not made a space for himself. On the other hand, I'd say it's pretty hard to make a space for yourself when you get like two routes a game when you're healthy and you better catch the go. You better even get the go ball on that one route you run. So I, I, you know, I've changed my thinking a little bit on, on this team post Trey Lance pick where on one hand, if you can redshirt, it's a great place to be. That's what Juwan Jennings did. He was a seventh-round pick. If you're a first- or second-round pick, you don't get nearly as much leeway to just redshirt. They try to put you on the field. And that's a tough place to be on this team because you have to earn your keep immediately. And it's hard because there's other guys that deserve it more than you, probably. You know, And 
uh, that dynamic pressure, pressure, expectations, just the complicate. How about just the complication of the offense? How about just that? Yeah. Right. Well, that's what, you know, juice told me that he felt Jack Coletta was the smartest football player he'd ever come across. Um, and he was a mechanical engineering major from Oregon state. And when I asked Jack, I said, Jack, what is your, what's your strength as a player? And he's like, I can memorize all the formations and all the plays pretty quickly. <laughs> you know, he's like, he kind of said, man, I'm a, I'm a smart freaking guy, you know? Yeah. But, um, but that's, that also helped him. He looked, you know, he's not the most athletic guy, by the way, he's no longer a Niner. I think he's a Steeler. They picked him up, you know, late in the year, but, and Coletto was just kind of a borderline NFL athlete. Uh, he needed to work on his strength and explosiveness and all that. But, um, Smart is a smart as you're going to find, you know, really, really smart. So, By the way, th- this is not Larry. This is not combine related, but I just wanted to share it since I, I got I put out a video on Nick Sorensen this morning. Uh-huh. Uh, did you hear what Matt Barrow said about him? Yeah, that he if he if they go internally, that will he'll be the guy. Yeah. And then he started right. rattling off. I won't play it here because I play. He started rattling off all the things he does well. And a buddy of mine saw it and he texted me and he said, um, uh, he said that he played with Sorensen in Cleveland, uh, and he's like just just a great guy, very sharp scout team defense, special teams ace. Always respected him because he lasted so long, but physically looked so af- looked like an average Joe. Didn't look like a pro athlete, but was fast and played hard with great technique. Uh, so, just as an aside on on Sorensen, I mean, between what I heard from Barrows and. Um, you know, just hearing some of the flexibility he has. He coaches linebackers. He coached nickels. He coached special teams in a pinch for a year in Jacksonville. Um, do you have a take on on Nick Sorensen? At this point, it feels like to me their Hail Mary is Ulbrich, and if not him, it's Sorensen is the next defensive coordinator. What do you think? Well, I mean, it's a huge risk. I mean, you're you're higher you're replacing Steve Wilkes, who had a top ten defense and a top five uh, scoring defense with a guy who's never done the defensive coordinator position and you just think he's a sharp young guy. Okay. I mean, it's great. I mean, well, what, a 40 was, what was Robert old. Sala? What was D'Amico Ryan's D'Amico Ryan's played in the NFL for Started a long this guy. time. Yeah. But I mean, D'Amico, this guy played for the dolphins and Rams and yeah, he, this guy played, there's no question, but I mean, D'Amico Ryan's was a starting middle backer who wore the green dot. I understand, uh, but that, that didn't make Ken Norton a great coordinator. No, it's not. It's not a pre. It's not automatic. But to me, and and Ken was not obviously. But I mean, you're gonna. To me, if you're gonna get rid of a, a guy who was a, a, a top tier coordinator, and how could you say that Wilkes was anything but? You uh, have to get somebody that immediately walks in the room, and everybody's like, "Yeah, yeah, that's that guy's better." Otherwise, you got guys going, hmm. I think Shanahan's other thing is I don't think Shanahan wants to be on the defensive headsets. I don't think he wants to jump the defensive coordinator mid-game and say, I don't like that call. So if you go with Sorensen, man, I mean, you'd ha- he'd have to be a pretty special guy to in his first year as a coordinator. And his first year as a coordinator is going to be at the NFL level. I mean, that's that's pretty heady stuff. I mean, I know he's... He's well thought of, but uh, to me, if you're going to replace Wilkes, you need a guy who the players have immediate buy-in. And maybe they do on this guy. 
I don't know. I don't know how the players feel about Nick Sorensen, but um, he's never done it before. And that always makes me a little skeptical. Well, how the, first of all, how the players feel is critical, right? I mean, he filled in for a year as a linebackers coach. So you got a pretty good idea how Fred Warner feels. And we know that Kyle's not afraid to take Fred Warner's feedback because he did it this year with Steve Wilkes. And I agree with you. Kyle wants, just like Kyle wanted, he wants no part of special teams film. That's why he drafted Jake Moody. He he doesn't want to be the guy poking his head in the defensive meeting room. Um, we're, and I, I look, I was pro Steve Wilkes hire. I thought it was a really good hire. I think he's an impressive guy. I do think you can debate whether or not he's an established and proven defensive coordinator. I'm using hindsight here, but when you look back at his career, he never did it in the same place, you know, for right. an extended period ever. Yeah. No, I know. So that worried me when I saw the Wilkes, um, I saw his, you know, Wikipedia and he, in 25 years, the guy was in 22 spots. I mean, that's all, that's a red flag. My so big I, I red flag saying, Larry, was interrupt just for a second. Oh, yeah. I don't think there's some big risk and like, I think there is there is a lot of pressure in becoming a first-time defensive coordinator. I don't think any of that comes from replacing Steve Wilkes. You know what I mean? Like, you're not replacing uh, uh, Dick LeBeau here, with all due respect. No, but, you know, you were there when Wilkes would speak. I mean, the man had a strong presence about yep, him. Definitely. Um, and my, my bigger issue with Sorensen is... He may be more head bit- coach than coordinator. Yeah, there's that. There's that. Um, but... Uh, it's not that I think Wilkes was incredible. I just think that you're going to have to get somebody who you really feel great about. And Sorensen's only been with the Niners since 2022. Yeah. So he's only had two years in the, in, in the organization. I don't know. I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I don't know him, so I'm not going to sit here and s- say that he can't do it. I just think that, man, if you can get, I mean, I'm thinking big, you know, I'm thinking big names, so um, I'm thinking Vrabel. I'm thinking uh, Gus Bradley. Uh, I'm thinking Belichick. I'm thinking Earl Ulbrich. I'm thinking guys who have done it um, and are just the, the day they walk in, everybody's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're following this guy. Uh, well, Sorensen <laughs> may be a little, bit of a, a little bit of a projection, but so we'll see. I mean, but Kyle's done better with that than – look, I, who wouldn't want Belichick or Vrabel? Uh I, I hope we get shocked. I've given up on that dream, though. Uh, Ulbrich's under contract and Gus Bradley's under contract. And both those guys, it's kind of that weird, uh, you only want what you can't have. The second the Jets like, yeah, take him. You go, wait, wait a second. Why were they so quick to give him up? Uh, now, maybe it would just be, hey, we're all solid dudes and we all respect each other and Ulbrich wants to go, so we'll let him go. I think it'd be a little Robert Saleh in a must-win year letting his defensive coordinator walk seems kind of crazy. But Well, isn't you know, Aaron Glenn the D.C.? I, th- I mean, Olbrich was. I thought Olbrich was calling plays this year. Olbrich's no. the defensive coordinator. No, I think the it's Jets. Aaron Glenn. Isn't Aaron Glenn the defensive coordinator? Well, sure if Aaron is. Glenn's the defensive coordinator, then there's nothing stopping the Jets from. The Jets can't um, stop him. I don't think they can stop him. But even if they wanted to stop him, the you know that you can always throw that assistant head coach tag and then elude the. Olbrich's the contract. defensive. Olbrich's the defensive coordinator. Well, what's I'm Aaron looking Glenn? at the Jets. I thought Aaron. I I, I, I watched Hard Knocks. Aaron Glenn was the guy leading the meetings. Was he not? I saw Olbrick leading the, the linebacker meetings. You think? Or maybe I'm thinking, thinking of the Lions. Lions. I'm thinking of the Lions. I'm th- maybe I'm thinking of the Lions. 
You're thinking of you're lines. getting your formally downtrodden organizations <laughs> yes. mixed up. Yes. There you go. You're right. Um, it is all brick. It is all brick. Um, I watch hard knocks I, and, and Ulbrich like talks a lot. Yeah, I, and I mean, my my memory of Ulbrich this summer was was when he said, "Hey guys, look at this. This guy is our quarterback." And like <laughs> literally the next game, he was out for the year. This is our guy. The next game. Larry, you know, I told you, did I tell you this? When you go to PFF and you filter for time, to, you go to time to throw the, the right. longest average quarterback and you filter for zero for one pass attempt, Aaron Rodgers, longest time to throw in the NFL last year. The play he got <laughs> hurt on would have averaged the slowest time to throw in, in the league. Um, I, I, Ol- I Ulbrich would be great. I mean, he's a Niner. He's a former Niner. So, um, and he's really tough. He's smart. Um, I liked what I heard when he was on the live mic too at the was it, was it the Senior Bowl? I think they might have coached the Senior Bowl. Oh, you just listening to him? I did not see. I did not watch any of that footage. Just watching him talk to players and stuff. Yeah, he's got a real presence about yeah. him. Yeah. Uh, was there was there other? Did we hit the guys? I had a few more questions for you. Did you did we hit the guys that you wanted to hit from the Senior Bowl? Did you want to hit some of that stuff? Well, the the one guy that that I really think is a you know one of the safest picks in the entire draft the Niners met with today. It's Cedric gray from North Carolina. And if, you know, Ken, if um, Greenlaw is not going to be, you know, obviously just, he, there it is. Tar- Cedric gray to me is one of the safest players in the entire draft. The guy's got three years in a row. I think where he's had well over a hundred tackles. I watched him in the all-star game in the fourth quarter of the all-star game. This guy's going a million miles an hour. He's 235 pounds and just instinctive as there is. Um, to me, that is the safest pick in the entire draft right there. Wow. And if they could get him, that would be the guy that I'd want. Because this guy, fly, he wore 33 for Carolina. He flies all over the place. He makes plays in the backfield. He's he can, he'll, a blitzer. As a, he can drop into coverage. I mean, this guy is one of the most productive football players in the country. And you lean productivity. I love, yeah, well, no, to me, it's also, to me, if you can marry productivity with elite, like, traits athletically, that's why, to me, it's like if you start with these are the guys, and then of those guys, who looks great at the combine, I think that's really what you're looking for. That's when you find Alden Smith, when you have the guy who's like, oh, my God, he's a freak workout guy. Oh, my God, look at the production. And then you sit there and go, wow, that's you want the guys that when you get to camp in July, your coaches come up to the scouts and are like, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you for this guy, because his motor runs a million miles an hour. He's the fastest guy in our unit. And, you know, he's he's an incredible athlete. and He knows how to play uh, NFL combine TV schedule, defensive linemen, linebackers on Thursday, DBs and tight ends on Friday quarterbacks, receivers, running backs on Saturday, and then offensive linemen on Sunday. And the biggest thing is, uh, you know, every, the thing, the irony of the combine guy is that the thing that gets the biggest headlines are the 40 times for the wide receivers. And yet the thing that matters the least are the 40 times for the wide receivers. <laughs> so um, I, I do think that's funny, but um, 
you know, if you look at the top 45 uh, or top 50 times, I had a, oh, here it is right here. Um, John Ross, Henry Ruggs, now hmm. Ruggs is incarcerated. Marquise Goodwin, Tyquan Thornton, J.J. Nelson, Jacoby Ford, Darius Hayward Bay, Valus Jones, Paris Campbell, Andy Isabella, Curtis Samuel, Calvin Austin, Will Fuller, Trey Palmer, Danny Gray, McCole Hardman. D.K. Metcalf is like the only guy on this list. And then there's Mike probably Wallace. the biggest of all those guys, too, right? Yeah, easily. But so I he's mean, the most unique prospect, even in that of, he's an outlier. Of the 25 wide receivers that are listed there, 16 or busts or trending towards being busts. And, you know, once again, um, Cooper cup is, is awesome. And he ran four, six. So it's just, yeah, I, I, you probably ran four, five, two or something like that. Four, four, nine, something like that. High four, fours, low four, fives. That would be my guess. Um, But I mean, there aren't too many, these guys that run for the stopwatch, it's awesome, but it's it's not a track meet. It's a football game, so you've got to be able to stay healthy. So you can't be tiny like John Ross. Well, I mean, I actually who, think Ruggs was going to be special, to be honest. But uh, of course, he had the worst DUI mistake of all time. Yeah, he was starting to come on. Um, you know, the guy who kind of fits that bill is Brendan Rice, who is six three two ten. Speed is not his thing. Um, you know, I've said this a lot cause I, I covered him even back at Colorado. He did a good job of just being Brendan and not Jerry Rice's son. Yeah. Um, and maybe part of it is they don't look the same in terms of just like they're, you know, when you see him, you don't see Jerry. I don't know about you. You don't see Jerry, right? He's not trying to play like Jerry. And, uh, maybe that's because he didn't grow up getting coached by Jerry. You know, I think their relationship has blossomed a little, a little later, uh, and so he had to be his independent self for a lot of his youth. And when he showed up at Colorado, he was not a guy who, you know, at that time it was pre prime. You were not, these were not five star prospects showing up at Colorado uh, when he showed up at Colorado. And, uh, you know, he was tough. He was a returner. So what's your bet right now? I got three options for you. Uh, both Brendan Rice and Frank Gore Jr., one of Brendan Rice and Frank Gore Jr. or neither of Brendan Rice and Frank Gore Jr. end up on the 49ers? Uh, I, I love when, and don't forget McCaffrey's brother. And, and Max McCaffrey, yeah. Uh, no, uh, Luke. Luke McCaffrey. Luke. They already had Max. They had Max. Um, Max is on the Dolphin staff now, right? I don't know where Something Max like is, but he's on Luke, an NFL staff. You know, Christian told me that he thinks Luke's going to run really well. I, I I watched the film. I kind of doubt that. He doesn't seem really, really fast to me. Um, but Christian says he's really fast. He played quarterback. This was his first year at wide receiver. He's he just all, a different. He looks like the rest of the McCaffrey. He's not like Christian, right? A little lankier. He looks like the dad. And the he mom is where the speed like the came dad. from, as we know. Lisa is the speedster. Okay. I didn't, I didn't realize. Yeah, Lisa's the well, speed. it wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't uh, the dad. The dad was a big possession guy. But um, I like Brandon Rice and Frank Gore Jr. I think they're both really good. I like Brandon Rice a ton. He had 12 touchdowns this year. He's big. He's 6'4", 210. I think he's going to run an underrated 40, to be honest, and maybe wind up in the mid-third you round. You told me 40s don't matter. I know, but I'm just saying, you know, it doesn't matter at the top end. Like, don't fall in love with 4 2 
Um, but I, but but you're now we're talking about in the context of of productive wide receivers. Got it. Brandon Rice had double digit touchdowns. How many guys had double digit touchdowns in college football this year at receiver? Him, Malachi Corley, Roman Wilson, who's terrific for the Wolverines, Adonai Mitchell from Texas. Uh, Troy Franklin from Oregon, Keon Coleman, Brian Thomas, Adunze, Neighbors, and Harrison. I think those are the guys that had double-digit scores. So I love, um, I love Brendan Rice. To me, what right Brendan Rice plays like. The reason I love him is he's just so he doesn't have Jerry's body type. He's a little bigger, yeah, and not as fast. I I would say, you yep. know, Jerry didn't run a great forty. This guy may run a better forty, but. I don't know that he, I think Jerry was definitely faster, but, um, but it's Jerry's seriousness about his craft that comes screaming across the film. When you watch Brendan rice, he is serious. He is a serious football player and he's got, he does so many of the little things really well. The toe tap on the sideline, um, shielding defenders, keeping him stacked on his hip on the turn. Um, just so many working back to the quarterback. He's a quarterback's best friend. He's really, really advanced in a lot of ways. So he's very serious about his craft as a receiver. So that tells me that, you know, that's almost more important in some ways than some of the measurables. So I love Brendan Rice. And as far as Frank Gore's kid, um, I don't see what's not to like. I mean, I keep seeing that people are saying that Frank Gore's kid is going to go like in the seventh round. But I, I, I watch him. He looks just like Frank. I saw him in the East-West Shrine game. He had a little run off the left side, and he took it to the house. I mean, he, he full-speed cuts just like Frank. I mean, I, I've never seen an athlete look more like his dad than <laughs> Frank Gore Jr. looks like Frank Gore Sr. It's amazing to watch. Yeah. I don't. It's like, uh, it's like watching Jim Harbaugh and Jack Harbaugh stand next to each other. Especially as Jim's <laughs> aged, you know, they, they look so similar. I want them both. I would say uh, get get me. I think you can get Frank Gore Jr. in the seventh round, and I think you can get, uh, or maybe even undrafted, and I think you can get Rice's kid. The Niners have two picks in the third round, yeah, and one of those picks I I would use on him. Um, my 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 big, and we're starting to see it now. We're getting the the interviews. My big draft annoyance is. Falling and people loving guys who tell like the kind of guy that gets up there and tells you how different he is, you know, like, oh, this is what I'm about. And this, I, I, I could get rid of all that stuff, man. It, it drives me crazy. Uh, you know, the type of person, these prospects and, and I get that they have to promote themselves to a degree. But like, uh, you know, the more I watch, the more I get why, uh, you know, some of some of the scouting community don't they're not looking for well-rounded. They're not looking for, uh, you know. Guys with other plans. I mean, they want football players. And well, um, I mean, you, you know, know it's I, like I, it, it, you know, it's like if you go to any job interview and you tell them that you're super passionate about something that's even noble, but it's not what they do, you're not going to get the job. Did you did you watch Adam Peters talk yesterday? Yeah, I did. I, I you know, I I just thought him talking about Brock was his thing was not. Now, Brock, the guy impressed them, but this goes back to your point. His thing on Brock was the college productivity. That's that's what jumped out to him, right? It it wasn't that Brock came in and was telling him what kind of guy he is. That's not Purdy's MO. 
the college productivity is what made them like Brock Purdy. And, yeah. um, you know, I think we get a little this week. I love watching the other stuff, the combine. Um, I don't know. Is Mayock back? I miss Mayock, but uh, I love all the breakdowns. <laughs> You're right. But I don't, the, the you know, the, the, the clips of guys telling you who they are. I could, I'm, I'm, don't impress me, but I think I, most of that stuff, people, uh, they, they can see through it too. Well, you know, he, he, one thing I would say to everybody who watches the combine is, and, and I, you know, when I was super young, I can, and I was working in the Canadian league, you know, um, the, the defense coordinator would be like, Oh, you know, you love all these, you know, young, young, uh, you know, guys in the combine. He's like, you know, the average, most of these guys crap out. Most of these guys don't make it. And so that's kind of, the draft is being good at the draft is being able to identify false favorites because they're all favorites, right? They're all the best player on their team. So you have to, most of them aren't going to make it. So you have to figure out who's going to make it, who's not going to make it. And the guys who aren't going to make it, why aren't they going to make it? And so you always kind of look thinking negatively. Um, but, you know, Walsh looked at it the other way. He said, Hey, what can a guy do? You know, what, what, you know, what, can I lean on? What traits does he right. have that I can lean on? So, you know, it's just about figuring out, you know, one to me is how much do you, especially uh, quarterback, it's are you productive? And then do you, how smart are you? Because you, it, you've got to be really smart. And then how dedicated are you to the process? Do you, do you like playing quarterback or do you live to play quarterback? And to me, you almost have to, you got to work so damn hard to be a quarterback. You got to work like a coach. So you got to find that guy who just lives for it. And Brock Purdy is much more that guy than like, let's say a Jimmy Garoppolo. And so um, I think that's a big part of the evaluation. I personally, in this draft, kind of like Joe Milton, not because I think Joe Milton is a good quarterback, just because I'm so freaking intrigued by that profile. I mean, you're talking about six, five, two forty maybe the greatest arm I've ever seen. I mean, one of the, the guy threw 90 yards uh, in a, in a, you know, in, on their, in their spring game, just like, you know, after the thing was over just to show off for the fans. But I mean, Joe Milton is just a monster uh, as far as size, speed, arm strength. And they, you know, to me, it's the Niner quarterback room is going to be Brock, Brandon Allen. I think Darnold's going to move on. They're going to find somebody in this draft that they like. Um, I love the opportunity in there in this situation where they're at to take a big swing in the middle rounds or late rounds on Joe Milt. I don't like it, Larry. I would not draft a quarterback in this draft. If I were the Niners, I don't like the late round quarterbacks in this draft for the 49ers. I mean, Joe Milton is the antithesis of every Shanahan profile quarterback, right? Arm strength and athleticism. <laughs> like he can't run that, That's not a guy that can come run the offense if he has to on short notice. Um, no, but he, so, but, but you may wind up with a guy who flashes some major talent that somebody trades for at some point. I, I mean, just think I, I like other guys too. I like Austin Reed. I like Carter Bradley. I mean, those are the two guys that I think fit their system. I know but, the Ron um, Wolf thing, you know, take a quarterback every year, whatever. I would not do it this year. I wouldn't mess with it. I wouldn't plug a rookie in to Brock's quarterback room and ask him to help the guy out. Um, I'd get another. I'd get another, I mean, it could be a second year guy. I'd get somebody else to put in there behind Brandon Allen. And 
I wouldn't, you know, these, this team is so good with fifth, sixth and seventh round picks, Larry, at all the other positions and they need depth at all these other positions. I would not use any of those picks on quarterback this year. I really, well, I, I hear you, but you know, the, I, I hate the kid they met with. They, they met with Keaton Slovis. I'm not a Keaton Slovis guy. I really Keaton, didn't like yeah. him. Keaton Slovis. Yeah. I didn't Keaton. like him at, uh, at USC. And to me, he's been worse in his two stops since. I, I know, um, but as an undrafted guy, like give me a low profile guy that no one's going to pay attention to and let Brock have his, his QB room for the first time in his career. I mean, that could be Carter Bradley. It could be Austin Reed. It could be Devin Leary, Sam Hartman, somebody like that. But uh, Michael Pratt has kind of had a good year this year for Tulane. He's interesting. I thought Spencer Rattler, believe it or not, looked good in the All-Star game. He moved around I believe. Well. I, see, that's another example of a guy. Big profile, you know, has been the dude. I'm not bringing him into this team and this QB room. Not right now. I'm not doing it. Yeah. We can, well, we can actually I, I agree. Is, we argue about this. I agree. Moment, well, I we mean, go. I mean, there, the other one here is, um, you know, I kind of like Carson Wentz and some of the, you know, existing guys that you could maybe pick off in the, you know, veterans. I don't like Wentz either. God, we, we, I love how much we disagree on these quarterbacks. There's no way I'm bringing Wentz <laughs> into that locker room. I Not a Wentz. chance. All Wentz right, we got to go. The Niners like four times. <laughs> we got to roll. Right? We got to go. You got to go. Yeah. I got to do a little bleacher report hit here. Okay. All right. Uh, there we go. That's it for this. Hit that like button. Subscribe to the channel. Appreciate that, everybody. And we'll talk to you all soon. Later. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.